Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brett Gersky. This is the very first episode of On The List, uh, a new podcast on hahajk.com. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'll give you a little background on myself before I bring out my first guest. Uh, I am from New Jersey. I now live in Los Angeles, and we're coming live to you from the Sunset Strip in L.A. I graduated from Syracuse University, the Newhouse School of Public Communications, where I majored in television, radio, film. So... This is the place to be. Uh, that was 2002. Then I moved to L.A. I was an assistant to a director named Brett Ratner, and we worked on movies such as After the Sunset and X-Men 3 and Rush Hour 3. We also did the show Prison Break and some music videos for Jessica Simpson and Mariah Carey. So I really learned a lot about writing and directing from that experience. And after that, I wrote a bunch of screenplays and TV pilots and a short film called Closing Time, which I directed and which stars my first guest who's here today his name is Ben Savage who all of you know from Boy Meets World who will be on with us in a couple of moments uh also another thing I do is I have worked in nightlife for the past five years and I work at a spot right now called Bootsy Bellows I do a party there on Tuesday nights Friday nights and Saturday nights so now you might understand a little more why the title of this podcast is on the list it has a bunch of meanings first of all like a club you're on the list um and if you're a guest on the show, you're on the list. And um, whoever my guest is will be my plus one for the week. If there's more than one guest, there'll be plus two, plus three, plus four. So we'll have a little fun with that. Also, I am pretty OCD, and I make a lot of lists to stay organized. So we'll do a lot of lists on the show. Like, because we're shooting this, or filming, not shooting, that's director speak. But because we're recording this on Mondays, I can talk about the week in review and pop culture, all things entertainment, Things like, you know, the top movies at the box office from this past weekend. And I can talk to my guests and see if they've seen any of the movies, get their input. So it'll be really fun, really casual, kind of like a younger, cooler, more laid back inside the actor's studio. You know, get anecdotes from the sets and find out what it was like working with certain co-stars or directors. Really the stuff that you don't get to hear when they have a five or six minute segment on The Tonight Show or David Letterman. You know, this is more in-depth. We can get more anecdotes and we'll see who's on the list. Another thing I'll do will be a hot list of five things that are going on in entertainment where we'll go through from five to one, and my guest will chime in if they have anything they want to say about what's going on in pop culture. So we will try that today with Ben Savage. And today is the very first podcast for On the List, and the date is August 13th, 2012. Uh, It's very fitting because yesterday was the closing ceremonies for the 2012 Olympics in London, And today is the opening ceremony for On The List. Uh, And every week, you know, you'll start the week off right with interviews with some of your favorite people who are also some of my favorite people and also personal friends of mine who work in the industry 
with me from actors to writers to directors to producers, and you'll really get an inside look about their lives and their careers and hopefully learn things about them here that you've never heard before and you can't hear any, anywhere else. Uh, my first guest, as I mentioned, is Ben Savage. So without further ado, my very first guest on On The List, Ben Savage. Hey, Ben. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brett. I'm doing my own class. I was going to say, if only they could see where that applause was coming from. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Thank you for being my first guest. Honored, thrilled. This is very exciting. It is, right? It's the beginning of a whole new, new thing. New chapter in in, in your life. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, so on, on the list, I was just letting everybody know, uh, it's basically kind of, you know, talking about what's going on in pop culture, but also sort of tracing back my guests' life and times, like a timeline of their career and their life, and getting more in-depth than you can get on a regular talk show. Sort of like an actor's studio. Yes. But for a podcast. But for a podcast. Because, you know, you get you do a talk show, it's like a pre-interview, and it's scripted. And oh, sure. Well, they need it for the jokes. Right. Here, it won't be funny. No, it can be funny. Oh. Listen. Starting when? Starting now. Oh, now, okay. Now that I have my guest. Um, so one of the segments I'm going to do is going to be a hot list. Was that rude? No. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been funny yet unless, you know. I have a feeling this is going to be a very funny show. Okay, I hope so. I'm, Listen. I'm not saying me. I'm just saying for future shows. Well, yeah. No, I think you will be funny. You're a very funny person. It's a lot of pressure. No. See, there is no pressure to be funny. It's just sort of unscripted. and Right. Like real. on a normal talk show, you have... Three to five minutes. And and there's a setup punchline. I always find that, you know, like I'll see on The Tonight Show, Jay Leno has to get Jennifer Aniston to talk about her flight. You know, right. something funny happened on the way out. Like they right. lead them into it. I don't want that on this. Right. I, I want this to just be a very natural very relaxed. conversation. Very relaxed. You're like a, a radio James Lipton. Um, yeah, I suppose. Hopefully a little livelier. You look like him. Really? Yeah. I've never gotten that before. Well, you didn't you glue on a fake beard for this interview? <laughs> just to get some just more to get respect. The feeling, yes. Yeah, I just wanted, you know, the respect. The paparazzi. Do you hate them or love them? Um, what's your favorite word, Ben Savage? What does it mean to love? I ask you a question. What's your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word? Happy. <laughs> oh, see, I like because <laughs> I don't know negativity. Oh, good. Yes, I channel only positive energy. Great, I like spreading that message. Yes. Um, now, something Spread. we're gonna do here is, uh, like I was saying, it's a hot list. So okay. it's like five things going on in entertainment. Feel free to chime in at any time. Okay. I'll take it from five to one. Got I'll it. talk about you know these are the things that people are facebooking about this week and tweeting right. about this week. And I know you're a fan of Twitter, right? As am I. I tweet. You do tweet. And you enjoy reading tweets. It's fun. It is nice to interact with fans and to interact with friends and to interact with people that you like. I I wish we had it when we were kids. I would have tweeted with Steve Martin and Kirstie Alley all all day long. I know. It's like modern day fan mail. Fan mail. But it's instant. But it's also fun for me just because, you know, there's people that I'm a fan of. Actors and writers and directors and, you know, that you can... Just see what they're up to and see what they're doing all day. I notice on your Twitter a lot people write to you like, if Ben Savage tweets me, I'll die. It's such a funny... It is a funny concept. I'm like, that's horrible. He shouldn't tweet them because then they'll die. Right. What a catch-22. Right. I want to tweet them to make them happy. Right. But then they'll die. But if they die, I have that (laughs) on my conscience. But that's what they asked for. Do you know what I mean? So you're giving them what they want, but at the same time, it's putting them in a dangerous... Very, very precarious. ...situation. All right, so let's go to the five things going on in pop culture, starting with number five. Okay, so number five, 
things that people are talking about on Twitter and Facebook. I have about um, it's Dancing with the Stars All Stars, which I think is is kind of interesting. I, the amount of um, tweets and Facebook posts I see about it are surprising. I, I sometimes I forget how many people actually watch. Dancing with the Stars. So what they're doing is they're taking the best dancers from all the seasons and they're bringing them back. So, for example, Kirstie Alley, they announced today, is going to re-team with Max, who was her partner the first time around. And so which means the other people that he danced with who are coming back can't dance with him. So they've, like, shaken it up a little bit. Um, have you watched, Have you seen Dancing with the Stars at all? Is this a group discussion or just for me? Whoever. Anyone can chime in. Tony, have you seen Dancing with the Stars? I love it. Do you really? I can't get enough. I don't think that's true. I don't true. think he's being sincere. I, don't I haven't so. seen this season, but well, I no, it hasn't one. started yet. They I just mean, announced today. I haven't. I haven't watched it okay. recently. Right. But God, I love dancing. Okay. Tony has spoken. Tony has spoken. I um, I like. I I actually don't mind. I didn't. St- I started watching it when when Lance Bass was on, because we know Lance Bass. So I thought you know it'll be cool to watch when he's on it. So I watched that season, and I watched the season with uh, Mike. The situation. And then I watched the season with Chris and Cavallari. Do you think it makes it um, as enjoyable when your friends are on it? That's the only or time I've watched it is when, is when, when I your have friends, friends are on it. I feel like I'd be more, like it's more stressful when I know someone on the show. But that's why I'm watching it. You know, right, so I don't know the It's kind of a double-edged thing. Right. Because when I, oh, I can't enjoy it. Right, because you don't want anyone else to win and you're stressed if they don't do as well as you want them to do. Right. It's a lot of pressure. Have you been asked to be on Dancing with the Stars? Um, officially, I mean, rumblings, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a humble brag. No, 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 I asked you. So it's not a humble brag because I asked you, have you been asked? I'm just assuming you have. So it's not a humble brag. Well, I don't know. Well, number four. I've never been on it. No, you haven't been on it. But, but I do love asked. the show. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a good way. It's a good vehicle for people if they have something that they can pl- to need a platform for something that they're promoting. Sure, it seems like a, a good vehicle. So number four on this list of things that people are tweeting about and facebooking about, um, Mitt Romney chose his running mate, Paul Ryan from Wisconsin, which is uh, historical. You know, it's a historical moment. I don't really have any sort of personal feelings on it, but I think what's amazing about when someone chooses their running mate is how they go from virtually unknown to a household name in a day. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. Like it happened with Sarah Palin four years ago. They, you know, they picked her. No one knew who she was, and then all of a sudden she's like on the cover of Us Weekly, and her daughter is on Dancing with the Stars, and just yeah. it's that overnight sort of from obscurity to celebrity. Literally, literally, like plucked from obscurity. Plucked from obscurity, which is one of my favorite phrases, actually. Uh, but you know, Paul Ryan plucked from obscurity. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about him and his wife, and so I think I'm more fascinated with the scrutiny and the celebrity of it. That happens when you're chosen, even more so than the politics. Right. So that's been an interesting thing this week. Um, number three, uh, Kristen Cavallari had a baby. Very exciting. Which is a big story. Good friend of ours. Yeah, I think that that was a big story. I'm gonna. I was gonna call her today, but she uh, was literally a, just had a baby. She literally just had a baby, so I might do that next week. But um, she had a little boy named Camden Jack Cutler. And her boyfriend and the father of the baby is Jay Cutler from the Chicago Bears. There's a lot of people who work here at the Haha JK station and that are from Chicago and that love the Bears. I saw someone the other day was wearing, one of the girls here in the office was wearing a Bears jersey. And you're from Chicago. It's true. I, I am. Oh, what part? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, 
I, I'm, oh. I'm from the North Shore of Chicago, but I'm not from, I mean, I was born there and I lived there till I was about seven or eight mm-hmm. and I moved here. So I don't really consider it like. You didn't like, grow up in Chicago. Right, like everyone wants to like talk Chicago geography or like, oh, did you ever go to, no, I was seven years old. So, I mean, my family, my brother spent a little more time there than I did my sister and my family. My dad grew up there, but I was the, I mean, I was born there and raised right. there for a few You're years. You're from Chicago. You're one of us. I would say I was born in Chicago, but I'm from L.A. Okay. It was always an interesting I guess thing. it's where you went to school in high school is where you're from, I guess. Yeah, I think it's where you came of age. Okay. So I always, like in college, you know, someone, where are you from? Well, I was born in Chicago. Most recently. I would say where, where, are, you, where are you first <laughs> <laughs> discovered yourself? <laughs> well. I don't know. I don't know about I, I would just say where you came of age. Okay. All right. So you're born in Chicago. Well, Kristen's living in Chicago now where she had her baby, and the football season is beginning again soon. Um, Yeah, I'm hopefully going to call her one of these days, or maybe we'll get her in here when she's back in L.A. to talk about that. It's a nice studio. I'm very impressed with the studio. Thank you. Maybe next time you could have some sandwiches or some cookies. They have sandwiches. Slow down. Can I say something? I I can't be told that they have sandwiches, and then I have to like make the effort to right. like inconvenience someone to get them. No, no, no. It's not inconvenience. We're at all. sitting at a beautiful table in a beautiful room. Soundproof. And a man wants some, you know, some candy, some okay. sandwiches. Maybe sushi next time. Well, that's a little much. <laughs> I just need starbursts. It's, okay. it's always a good treat. Okay, that'd be a nice. It's good to know. See the first show. You work at the Kinks. Um. Can I say number two on the list of what people are talking about? Oh, yes. There's two more things. Oh, yes. So number two on the list are the Olympics, obviously. Very exciting. Did you watch the Olympics at all? I did. I Interestingly enough, I got really into the dressage competition. I don't know what that is. Well, I think it was because it was all over the news because uh, Mitt Romney's wife had like a a horse it's it's a horse ballet basically okay and one of her horses was in the, oh really yeah was in the olympics wow how did i, I mean i missed that that that's i mean that's neither here nor there i was just happened to be up early one morning right and i happened to be up early right and i was looking at the well, olympics. so that's one of the ones they put on in the morning <laughs> yeah we're talking like <laughs> 7 18 a.m right it's like it's not a so huge, they save the good ones for after for, 8 p.m. Yeah, for prime time. Right. But anyway, dressage is basically it's like horse ballet. So it's it's not it's not just like jumping and galloping. It's like basically horses like doing like a dance routine. Wow. And so the horses like trot and they do plies and they go side to side. I mean, it was, but it's literally watching these horses like dance in slow motion. Can I ask a question yeah. about it? I mean, this isn't even to be funny. Who gets the medal, the horse or the trainer? Well, I, th- I think it's like in any horse competition. Does the, I mean, does the horse get the money <laughs> if they win not. the Kentucky Derby? Wow. The horse doesn't so that's care. That's so strange. So that... I mean, I'm sure the horse eats very well that night. <laughs> right. That and maybe night. for several nights afterwards. For four years, hopefully, until the next Olympics. But anyway. Wow. I, it, I, I never expected to be into dressage. But sometimes you watch the Olympics and some of these sports that you would never think of. Like, I was watching... I bike mountain biking yesterday. Oh, really? See, I watched more of the primetime stuff. I have to be honest. I got into the ones that they delay. But there's something about seeing on Twitter who won and then watching it. It takes away from from the suspense. I, they have to work on that. They've got to just do live Olympics and whatever time it's on, you stream it on your computer or iPad or whatever and just... Well, I just thought it was 
I really like the Olympics. Yeah. Did you people work so hard. And the gymnastics, of course. Everyone loves that. Yeah. Well, Allie Reisman, who won the gold, right? Yeah. The, my favorite thing was the video of her parents watching her do gymnastics. Oh, that's right. That's my favorite video. This is a podcast. So I can't show the video. But basically, her parents were, like, sitting in the audience watching her just, like, writhing in their seats, talking to her. Um, what that say? <laughs> I don't know. So, um but did you see the closing ceremonies last night or no? Um, I or did parts not. parts of it? Well, I, that's what that, that's why I put it on the list because everyone today is talking about these closing ceremonies. They had the Spice Girls reunited. Oh, right. I heard about that. George Michael. Right. Annie Lennox. One Direction. Are you a One Direction <laughs> fan? Am I? You don't know you're beautiful? Yeah. I do know I'm beautiful. <laughs> it's a good song. And they had Liam Gallagher of Oasis did Wonderwall. Not all of Oasis, just Liam Gallagher. Well, I don't think I think They're they broke together. up, but I, they really went through a lot of the British, British acts. Oh yeah, I mean Russell Brand, Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss. If you're British, you were surprisingly. In did, the they, did they have the Rolling ceremony. Stones? I don't think so. No, I, mean, I don't think so. But you know what I did hear though? NBC edited it, and a lot of acts didn't make the cut on primetime, and people were furious today. They're you know because they just want to see the whole thing, but NBC kind of put some of their new pilots in between. To sort of get promotion and people... I understand. Will... They'd be in the middle of Olympics coverage yes. and then they would show an entire TV show. Yes, commercial free. And then The Who would come on after the pilot. Like The Who finale came on at the after. And the pilot they showed last night was Animal Practice with Joanna Garcia, who's a friend of ours and, and I like her a lot. And they showed her pilot 20 minutes unedited, no commercials, in between the closing ceremonies, which is so bold of NBC to do that. I mean, but they, they took, know what they're doing. Well, they took the opportunity where... They had a lot of people watching to do that. If I was on a show, I would want it to be shown then. That's true. <laughs> During the, but, but, then, but then you get the backlash of people that are angry. My question is this. Are people really angry about that? I don't There's know. There's so much to be angry about. Are you really angry that the closing ceremonies in Olympics were interrupted with a TV show? I don't know. What about Today. famine and death and war? Well, we, the news doesn't show that, <laughs> usually. Um, My but, concert from the <laughs> I mean, I read... I, I only say that because I was reading on Twitter and some girl just was really upset i mean someone went on a rant i clicked some link to some girl's <laughs> article about how she's boycotting nbc for they could ruin the, uh, and it was like right well I, why I mean, don't they I, just why don't they just take the easy route and just show it unedited why, for five hours why don't we dissect what this girl who ranted against nbc was really angry about right. because i can guarantee you it wasn't nbc and it wasn't the olympics closing ceremony well the last thing i'll say about the olympics and then i'll move on to number one the last thing i'll say is that the usa won the most medals with 100 very exciting 104 but I, it made me also happy to know that great britain won won several yeah, medals I china agree. won because i wanted i didn't want to spread the well i didn't want it to be blown out it's right. I, and and the the on Saturday night, they they had the um, men's uh, four hundred, um, it's a four by one hundred relay. Right. Jamaica versus the United States. Oh yeah. So it was our top four runners versus their top four runners. Right. And they won. Right. So you know you spread the wealth a little bit. They can have that one. But Michael Phelps brought his total to twenty two medals total. And we, I almost got brought into the Olympics this year. For what sport? Um, <laughs> funny. I don't know if that was a sport. Did you? There was something on Twitter going around like a like, petition. No, like fake Olympic sports or something. Like comedy, or just like Olympic sports, like like new Olympic. Competition. It was a hashtag. Basically. Yeah, got it. And I just think there should be one for just. No, I actually that I wouldn't win the funny competition. You don't know. I mean, against other countries, maybe. 
Well, they don't have much of a sense of humor in China. Exactly. So there you go. You're or do, or maybe they do. Did that offend? <laughs> I think I just offended a billion people. <laughs> Sorry. I don't let's... think I don't know if we're on in China yet. Um, okay, they do have a. Sense. Oh, we are on in China. Oh shoot. Um, they're your biggest fan base. Wow. I know we're huge in Asia. We've been on for about twenty minutes. Well, I'm Asia. very big in in um, in Taipei. <laughs> I don't like to brag, but it's very hard for me to walk the streets of Taipei. Right. There is a huge cult Ben Savage following. Right. So when I'm in Taipei. Which is I, often. Oh, sure. It's several times a year. But who doesn't go to Taipei? I so, have a huge um, motorcade. <laughs> when, you know, wow. You I, know, matching the size of President Obama's motorcade here. I'd love to go sometime and see this. I have at least a. Um, uh, <laughs> multi-car motorcade. Multi-car? Yes. So more than one. Yeah, there's cars. Wow. Or at least that's what I tell myself in traffic. Right. Oh, right. You're sitting in traffic <laughs> on the 101, and it's I your do, motorcade. No, I, I do that in Taipei and um, on the 405. Right. I'm like, you know, I'll be driving around Los Angeles like, oh, there's so much traffic. You guys, you don't have to do this. <laughs> right, exactly. Don't Not to- today. I don't need this. I'm just going to the bank. Right. <laughs> you don't have to keep me this protected. Like, and I... I tell you know there's six cars in front of me, six cars behind right. me, six cars to my left, six cars to my right, it's too much. and they're all so like incognito. You know they're in Honda Civics right. or you know Ford Explorers, right? Or, and they look like moms with kids. Like they don't look. Yeah, sometimes like there are moms with secret kids. service. Yeah, right. but they're, that's what my security detail does. Right. They're so good at blending. Right. So that's good. Well, um, I don't know. We sort of went off track, but number one thing that's being talked about the most today in entertainment, which is very bittersweet for me to say. Is that Jennifer Aniston is engaged to be married? I mean, it it really, I get choked up when I announce this because. You tweeted about it, didn't you not? I I had to. I mean, I had to. My tweet was a retweet of People's Exclusive. And I added that the sound that you heard was the sound of my heart breaking, which it was. I mean, did it? Oh, it did. Absolutely. I mean, we've been through this before, Jennifer and I, in 2000 when she married Brad Pitt. And I weathered that storm, and I was only 20, and I was living on the East Coast, and it was fine because, you know, we weren't in the same city, and I was young, and I wasn't ready to get married, and I was like, you know what, Brad Pitt, fine. You know, get that out of your system, and she did. And then years later, she got divorced, and I wasn't living in L.A. at the time, and I thought, you know, now is my chance. She's broken your heart twice now. Maybe you have to give up. No, well, see, the thing is, I'd give up if I had the chance and then failed. Do you know what I mean? But to not have had the oh, chance. Oh, I see. Because there's still hope. Right. But and she's not married yet. She is engaged. But this is like. By the, the way, and in this day and age. I know. Even marriage. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe there is still. Well, I met her. When I met her, unfortunately, I was too young. I was like 14 when I met her. It was like the first season of Friends. Oh, no. Second season was filming. Oh, and she was just blowing up. Though. She was just getting famous. I was only. I was a kid, really. So, you know, it wasn't going to happen. But. Well, these are. Your paths could cross later in life. Maybe. Maybe, you know, 70. <laughs> I don't know. You know? She's not. You know what's funny is she doesn't. Or the age difference doesn't seem that much now. Now she's 43 and I'm 32. But doesn't feel like that. Like I could be with a 43 year old woman. Well. She could be it's, with what, a 43 year old woman. It's so weird. When you're. When you're 20 and the other guy's 30, it's like, ooh. Right. But now that I'm th- over, th- I'm 31. Right. And the other guy's like 40, it's like. Right, the competition. They're like, oh, he's 40. I'm like, wait a minute. When did he become my competition? He used to be like my elder. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. When I was 14, Jennifer Anderson was 25. And I did the Warner Brothers tour with my family on a family vacation. And I had written a letter 
and I got invited onto the set and I got to do a whole tour of the set and the dress rehearsal. Um, and I got to meet her and I just in that moment thought I was going to marry her. So, so then of the course, truth. the restraining I, order. No, well, I actually left with an eight by 10 autograph of the cast that they gave me and just hope. And I came back to LA years later and I still hold out hope, but that is the number one story. Every news channel today. I mean, it was on the actual news, not just entertainment news today. Jennifer Aniston engaged. So that I made the number one story. But enough about Jennifer Aniston, Ben. Who are all these signs on the wall? I don't know. I guess previous guests sign the wall when they leave. Since we just started, there's not a lot. Oh, look, at the top, Steve. Oh, Steve Aggie. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, you're a fan of his Twitter. It's very, very funny. Yeah, this is for funny people. Hopefully. Um, Let's talk about you, Ben. Enough about Jennifer Aniston. Um, So, Ben, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, besides podcasts, besides podcasts, yeah. Um, do we have a specific category? Anything? We... I don't know. When you're not working, um, Twitter. I'd say. Uh, I, I well, I would first say hang out with friends. Okay. Um, food is always a fun pastime. Okay. Um, that is concerts. I love to go see shows around LA. Right. Um, movies. Yes. Um. That's a good transition. What are your favorite movies? If you because there's a lot oh. of lists on on the list. So, well, let me first start with the the concerts. The the one of the great great things about living in LA is that so many bands, so many like young oh, yeah, up everybody. and coming bands are coming here. So right. it's so interesting because like I'll listen to like a group on the radio and be like, oh, they're great, and I'll just like maybe run home and like, you know, just see what they're up to or if they're coming. And it's like. Like, it never fails. Like, oh, they'll be in L.A. next week. Right. Well, they're so right across the street at the Roxy. Right. right. So it's just kind of like, it's kind of a, a kind of a benefit. Well, it's cool because this is where you sort of, you know, find your following and right. get discovered and get signed. And it right. is really cool. I think we take it for granted the access we have to the biggest names and the up and coming. I know. Like, uh, this weekend alone, everyone's like, um, I had friends going to Jack White and friends going to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. And... You know, I think we are a little spoiled in L.A. It's like, oh, well, I saw him last month or I saw this guy last, you know. There's but, also a different energy at the L.A. show because they feel like they're home and, like, their friends are in the audience. And But ironically, those. I also think that there's less enthusiasm in the crowd because they're all friends and everyone knows everyone and we're a little Not jaded. as many fans. Like, like they say that Bruce Springsteen, who I'm a big fan of, that some of, like, his most enthusiastic fans are in, like, Norway or Finland. Right, right, right. But you, you would think, well, why wouldn't they be in Jersey? Yeah, but they've all seen them in Jersey and, you know, or L.A. at the Staples Center, you know. It's, so the novelty is different. Well, it's it's so exciting for them because it's such a thrill that they've heard about this legend and then he comes to their town. Right. Versus L.A., it's like, eh, I saw Springsteen three <laughs> right. months ago at the Staples Center. Right, you know which I mean? you did, didn't you, see Springsteen? Twice in a row. Two nights in a row? I did. That's pretty cool. Well, my dad and I are uh, – it's a little bonding father-son thing. So we've flown all over the country together to see him. Wow. All, all different cities all over the country. Do you find that other places in the country, they're more excited to see him than L.A. or no? I do. I, but nothing against, you know, L.A. Well, it's different. I see I'm getting used to seeing shows in L.A. Like I'll go to Dave Matthews at, you know, Hollywood Bowl. Right. And like Julia Roberts is sitting next to you because she's a huge fan. And Jennifer Aniston's there. Right. She's a huge fan. It's like you're just looking around. You're like, wow, this is his sort of well, I'll celebrity say this. fan base. Like like in L.A., you'll see a show and, you know, people will be on their cell phones or they're, you know, making calls or they're in and out. Right. But like if you look at like concert videos of 
Springsteen playing in Hyde Park in London. You know, it's like a hundred and some odd thousand people just like crushed together in a park, like just like, you know, like just, you know, it's just a different vibe. Right. And I think Springsteen kind of feels that energy too, you know. But yeah, but I guess, but on the other side of it, like you said, the new people, you've discovered some new Sure. Right. Well, that's right. So it's a it's a the other side of the coin is that a lot of young up and coming bands come to L.A. and it's so exciting for them. And, you know, right. There's and there's so many great venues. And anyway, so that's that's concerts. That's concerts. That's Um, music. Film. Film. Um, Or like an actor. You see all their movies or, you know, it doesn't have to be specific titles, but like what gets um, you to go to the movies? I I mean, it would depend. I um. Gosh, I, I feel don't like know. you've mentioned Russell Crowe before in conversation. I have, but I was about to say that, but I just thought that might sound a little too. Why? <laughs> well, you said what movies... gets me to go to the movies? I'm like, ooh, Russell Crowe. Oh no, no, I, I meant... will see any. I I meant because it's I like will see the... anything he is attached to. <laughs> no, but I meant because of the quality of the films he does. I think I literally I think he's a terrific actor. I do. Right. I think he's very strong. What about um, television? Television. What do you watch on television? I actually made you watch a show last week. I was watching a show and I texted you and I was like, you got to turn this on. And I'm embarrassed to say it. It's on TLC called Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. Mm. Oh. And, and I had never seen Toddlers and Tiaras. I'd never seen any of those. But so many people were tweeting about Here Comes Honey Boo Boo that I actually checked the channel guide. I was like, what channel is this on? And it was on TLC. And I turned it on. And I started watching it. And I got so fascinated that I texted you and I was like, put this on. And it led to a, a very funny tweet from you, actually. Well, I had seen The Power of Alana last year on Toddlers and Tiaras. Okay. And she was so funny, they gave her this spinoff. <laughs> right. How um, old is she? She's young. Eight? Sixty. No, she's a child. That's what you think. <laughs> There's some sort of severe deficiency there. Right. <laughs> Myself, I'm 82 years old. Wow. I just have terrific genes. Very well preserved. Very well preserved. <laughs> Formaldehyde every night. Wow. Um, but, but you did watch it last week. I did watch that. Um, I guess with the Olympics on, it's hard right now. In the last few weeks, there hasn't been that much. Original no, I, I listen, I love TV. I, I'm, I'm very partial, obviously, just because of oh, so the world I grew up. I like, TV. I like sitcoms. I mean, I enjoy reality as a guilty pleasure. Right. And anything on Bravo is usually just fun and easy. Right. Anything with a housewife in it. Yes. You know? I actually refused to watch Real Housewives until they came to Beverly Hills, and then I couldn't resist. I was like, fine, I'll watch Beverly Hills. And I sort of get it. It's fascinating. It's fun. I mean, well, they really play up the drama. but Right. But And then the other thing about living in L.A. right there is that you go, go out, out that and night. you see someone from the show. Yes, they will introduce themselves. Like, we've had Taylor Armstrong come over to us and say, I'm Taylor Armstrong from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and we say, yes, you are. And then what happens? And, <laughs> and then I can't even explain what happens next but but it kind of like well it's, you know, i mean it's it's not just music and tv it's just everything going out pop you're culture part, right you're so just everything is uh the epicenter of pop culture the epicenter of just entertainment right well that's what i say I, before you got here i was talking about bootsy bellows and i was saying how i work there and i joke even though it's not really a joke i when we're there i'll be like we're in the center of the universe right now like you feel like it's this culmination of all these people who work in entertainment and who are the trendsetters and who the world is sort of looking to right. for what's cool are all in this room together. You I know, know. At Bootsy Bellows. It's pretty interesting. And do you think they're that cool? Do I think they're cool? Well, you know what I think is funny about L.A. that, I've, that I can share is that 
you know, a song will come on at a club, like a nostalgic song, like from Greece or something. Like you're the one that I want. Some show tune will come on, right? And everyone in the room who everyone thinks is too cool starts singing along to this show tune, right? And then it clicks. Like I remember, I had this epiphany years ago where I was like, everyone in this room was probably in Greece in their school play <laughs> because everyone in this room is really a drama club geek, I guess. Like I was, I was in the school plays, and you were acting, you know, growing up, and so. At the end of the day, everyone here is kind of maybe the drama club kid from high school who wasn't the coolest kid in school, but now the world is kind of looking to them for what's cool. So it's kind of like you you didn't peak in high school, you got it later in life, sort of. I want to go a little step further, take okay. a little more philosophical. Okay. I think the people who singing, regardless of their high school upbringing, are cool because they're comfortable and confident enough to be able to just feel it and have fun. Exactly. And sing in a club. But the that's what I'm who, saying. The kid, it's like right. now you have your, your, your chance to be comfortable and, and express Well, I was always singing. Right. Regardless. But Publicly. Sure. Right. I never sing privately. I only sing in public. Right. Streets, venues, showers. Right. <laughs> I mean, public showers. Wow. Well, you know, like a gym or something. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, I think the kids that are too cool. I'm not saying you have to sing. No, no, no. But I see what you're saying. The kids who, well, it's in high just, school, I you can... don't feel as comfortable maybe expressing yourself or you're not seen as being cool. Try and now later in life, yeah. you're seen as cool. I, 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 maybe, I, maybe. I always, I don't know. I think if you're confident and cool, whatever you do is just, just works. Right. If you're trying so hard, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'll look stupid. Right. Although I do have one line in the sand. Which I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like guys dancing at a at a, a club is very tricky okay. because I remember when Footloose the movie came out I'm the, sorry the, the remake the first time right I was too young the first time the remake and okay. we were or I was out and I the, all, some of the castmates were there some of the guys and the girls and they oh, were dancing right. I think I was there actually and I was like gosh that's so they look great and they're you know dancing and they're really feeling it that's cool but a guy who's I don't know dancing for a guy I think is very tricky Okay. Because to look cool. Not to look cool. Just just like if he's too into it, it looks a little weird. Okay. If, but if he's like not into it at all, it looks weird. Or so there's a happy medium that It's you have just to a find. very like precarious like endeavor Got it. to dance at a club. But you know what I was thinking about? I was at the store the other day and I had this thought that when a guy, when a guy okay, when a girl bites her lower lip. Okay. It's like sexy, right? It's like, mm. Okay. But when a guy bites his lower lip, it's like creepy. Wow. Dancing. I'm saying dancing. Okay. So I'm like going to have to look for that. A guy time. does like the lower bite lip like mm, it just doesn't look good. Well, isn't there a um there's like a joke that the white boy's overbite is like a dance or something. Right. Yeah. But even if it's not yeah. I right. don't know. Well, I mean, yeah. You guys can't see but Ben's I'm acting, acting it out. out. Yeah, Random thoughts out. by Ben Savage. No, but that's good. Um can we do something that I think I'm going to call the timeline, which is kind of my younger, cooler, slightly more casual version of Inside the Actor Studio. Please do. Where we sort of do like a, a this is your life and you can share some anecdotes about things that I mentioned. Yes. Does that work? Okay. Good. Okay. I've actually been with you when other actors have approached you and told you that one of their favorite movies as a kid mm -hmm. is Little Monsters. Right. Which is a movie that you did. Yes. Um, 1989. It's the first thing we'll start with on the timeline. Okay. How old are you in 1989? Nine. I was – I, I think I was eight. When you shot it. Right? Yeah. So what do you – do you remember anything about it or it's too I early? I do. You do? I was – we went to Wilmington, North Carolina for the summer. Okay. It was my first movie. My whole family moved out there. Wow. 
That was before Wilmington was like, now Wilmington's a hot place to, to film things. Like I Dawson's think so. Creek and One Tree Hill. But we stayed in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I remember I had the summer of my life because, yes, I was filming this movie, but I mean, they pumped me up with so much candy all day. <laughs> that, And I was just in heaven because, you know, that whole summer it was like I was on vacation. I, I mean, I filmed, you know, I mean, you know, a little behind the scenes magic is that, you know, movies don't take that long, right. you know, filming wise. I mean, the, for the actors. Each day. I mean, right. I'm saying the editing. I'm, no, no, I'm saying like the entire process, you know, right. like the actors have the least amount of right. time. There's editing. Of, right. right. There's so I'm sure that the, the filming went on for four months and, you know, you know, I was in North Carolina for about four months. But, you know, half of that time I was off at, you know, water parks or amusement parks right. or at the beach or I went on water slides, water tubing. I mean, I remember I had this summer of my life. And then occasionally I'd go in and film and <laughs> film. You know, Ben do this, and it was very easy for me, and I'd have a lot of candy, and wow, it was that was a real fun summer because they that whole movie was, you know, for kids, but it was you know they built this whole on this soundstage this whole underworld for monsters because right. it's supposed to be like what monsters are like at night, right? So they built these staircases going to nowhere, and I just remember it was such a fun. I remember like the smell vividly, like just being on this like cool like weird underworld of, for monsters. And every day I would just go to the studio. It was fun. So, yeah. So at that point you were like, I could do this for the rest of my life. When you're getting candy and hanging out in a I mean, it was soundstage. I, I just had the time of my life. Sounds fun. Movies are so much fun. Well, it's They're like so. It's like camp, going away to camp for the summer. It's great. I mean, I did a movie. Um, well, that's at the end of the timeline. Can, I, can we wait till we get to that? I know what you're going to say. Virginia? Yeah, but it kind of relates. Okay, you can. Well, I was just gonna say I was. Go, that was for the summer too. I mean, that was, or I th- think I left in. Uh, that might have been. Well, September, either way, October. it's like you're away for the summer. But like I, I filmed this movie in Virginia. Well, that's. Let me get to that. Let me let me get to that on the timeline at the end. Is that okay? So moving further down the timeline, okay. I have here that between 1988 and 1990, you did episodes of a television series called Dear John. I did. Do you remember that? Of, of course, I remember. It was a, it was two years of my life. Oh, you. Two years consistently, or was it recurring, or how did that work? Um, I played Judd Hirsch's son. That's it. Judd Hirsch was the star of the show. That's a big role. Correct. Um, I watched it. I, I mean, I don't now. I know you. I don't remember specifically that, but no, now that I think about it, that it, makes sense. And Judd Hirsch is a big show a, at the time. Judd Hirsch is a TV legend. Yeah, Ta- Taxi, and it was a big show at the time. And um, that was your first show. <sighs> um, I mean, this is going to sound a bit bragging, but. I can't remember. Right. I mean, at eight years old, you had so much under your belt. No, there. Were, I was doing a lot of sitcoms. Ben but that was... was in high demand back in the late 80s. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, I played Judd Hirsch's son, and there's a lot of Jerry Burns was in Well, I was going to say, Jerry Burns was like, he was so cool in the late 80s. He, wa- he still is cool. No, I know. I mean, I haven't seen him as recently, but I he just remember. He was very cool on this show. Yeah. He played like kind of the hip, like slick friend. What was the concept of the show? Was it a support group? His wife had passed away? No, his wife, oh, no, his wife left, left him a Dear John letter. Right. Right. And so he was, he was on his own. support group. And Actually, the Matthew Perry show that's coming out, Go On, I think is a modern sort of version of that. Well, that's most shows. It's all, just it all updated comes back. versions of the other shows. Right. But do you have any memories you'd like to share about Judd Hirsch? Um, I remember that show was a lot of fun because um, I just I remember everyone was very nice to me on the show because I was like the young kid, right? And uh, there was you know the episodes I were, was on, um, 
were always kind of like it would be me and Judd doing something. Like we'd go away for a weekend camping. You know, the episodes were about our, us bonding. Did you? Did your character leave with the mom character when she left and walked out on him? Oh. Did she take you with her? Um, I believe that's what happened. So and then you I would come up. visit. Got I it. would come visit. Got it. But the show was a lot of fun, and I, I just remember absorbing a lot of, like, the culture of sitcoms on that show. Like, I remember, like, backstage before every episode, like, the whole cast would sit around and have meetings. Everyone would go and meet with Judd Hirsch before the sitcom, like, before the, on, on sitcoms, you know, they have one night a taping in front right. of a live audience. So when they would have the night of live, live audience, we would all, like, you know, I would remember just walking around, like, absorbing the energy of the cast and, like, I went, you'd have to, like, meet with Judd before every show to, like, discuss everything. And you'd watch sort of the audience fill in? Well, you don't watch the audience fill in when you're a member of the cast because you're... You're backstage. You're backstage getting dressed. So you you walk out and there's just an audience. Well, you're introduced. Right. So there's an audience of three to 400 people and they, you know, they introduce you. You know what's fun about those live audiences from what I've seen? Like, you go so many hours waiting online and then sitting there and and you're hungry and they'll throw like mini Snickers and Milky Ways at the people. It's like feeding time, mm-hmm. and people become you know survival of the fittest, grabbing for well candy. I, I and on some sitcoms that I've been a part of, they they do their absolute best to because they know that, so they try and get the audiences out quickly. Right. I did an episode of Still Standing, which was the fastest taping I've ever been a part of in my life. Really? It was probably they started at five and they were done by seven. Wow. And it was like just one take, and I was like. I'm kind of a perfectionist and a little neurotic about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So if it was up to me, just as an actor, I'd do 100 takes of each scene just to make sure we got it. Right. But they would just do one take, let's move on. Interesting. I mean, it was a very well-oiled machine. Right. And you were popping in for one episode there. On Still Standing? Right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't my deal. So I was just a guest star, but the shows I'm part of, sorry, future audience members, I like to take my time. Right. (laughs) Because I want to, you know, I mean, I want to make sure everyone's comfortable in the studio, but there's millions of people that are going to see Well, the fun thing, I visited a bunch of friends on sitcom sets, and, you know, watching the audience continually, you know... It's very nice of them. But they have to keep laughing as if it's the first time they've seen it. It's kind of fascinating. Well, you know, in some shows that I've been a part of, the producers do change-ups in the middle of the scene. Oh, so it keeps it So they'll change the line. You know, maybe they'll do it two takes one way, but then the, the producers and the writers will come on set... Michael Jacobs, who's the executive producer of Boyman's World, is notorious for this. But he's he would come in like the middle of a scene. You do a take or two, and if something wasn't working, you know he's very on the fly and he's a very fast thinker. Right. So he, he he would rewrite half the scene, you know, right there. Say this, say this. So you got a whole new, you know, as an actor, you're learning a whole new scene. But for the audience, I guess it keeps it fresh. Yeah, I actually in 1991, I was on a family vacation here in Los Angeles. And we went to a taping of Family Matters, Mm -hmm. which was your sort of counterpart, ABC, Mm -hmm. TJF. And it was at the height of Urkel fame, you know. Mm -hmm. And they would hide him, I think, behind sort of like a divider so that they would get, when he walked in, they would get the the natural reaction. And it was, I mean, the cheering was so loud. And I remember that. I remember just thinking, wow. He was very popular. He's on top of the world. Um, also, another thing on here uh, between 88 and 90 on the timeline is a show called A Family for Joe. Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum. He's an Oscar-nominated actor. Another big one. Now, was I, that multicam? Was that in front of an audience? It was audience? multicam. It was okay. me, Juliette Lewis, and David Lasher, brother, David sister. Lasher of Blossom fame. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know. And um, Juliette Lewis of many Cape Fear and Natural Born Killers. That must have been fun. It was fun. And we played three kids who... 
were abandoned. I think our parents died, but we didn't want to be split up by a foster home. So we found this homeless guy named Joe, <laughs> right. Mitchum, mm-hmm. and we asked him to pretend to be our father. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty... A comedy. <laughs> it was. It, Three it children abandoned. In a big, rich house. Right. It lasted for... Oh, I, oh, he moved into the house that you already lived in. Yeah. Oh, We're cool. like, oh, we need you to pretend to be our dad. I remember. I vaguely remember that as well. And um, that was a fun show, and I remember Robert Mitchum was really nice to me, and he was like a big old Hollywood guy who... Right. May or may not have been connected. Okay, if you catch my drift. Right, and how was he in terms of? He was nice. The schedule, was, though, you know, because it's not. He was a movie star. But, right, like, you know, I I just remember he always had two or three big burly guards surrounding him wow. at all times on on the set. Always fascinating. And like like the kind of guys that you would see like in an eighties movie that were like just the security guards and like light cheesy blue suits. Did you bond with David Lash or Juliette Lewis? Were you a lot younger than them? Or? Yeah, Brad Pitt used to come to the set. Oh, he was dating she, Juliette Lewis yeah. at the time. That's a fun Some fact. scruffy guy. And everyone's like, who's that? <laughs> it was Brad Pitt. Um, was David Lash or he was also on Hey Dude? He's probably really well known for that, right? On Nickelodeon? Uh, he was on that show. I don't remember the crossover time frame. Right. And did you, know, so... did you know Juliette Lewis would go on to do movies? Or? I, I didn't, but she was... Very nice to me as well. The funny thing is, you know, when you meet a lot of these actors when they're younger, you know, they, they as well as yourself, haven't really, like, developed into the full person that you're going to become. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of actors that you could throw out that I'd be like, you'd be like, you knew this person? It's like, well, when I knew him, he was so nice and sweet. Right. Or, or, you know, not that everyone turns sour or bad, but just, you know, you meet, and you as well, I'm sure, have met a lot of actors and you just, you know... Oh, I used to hang out with this kid all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just so many actors. You know, and not that there's some downward, you know, arc, but, you know, everyone just, you know, starts somewhere. Well, to take it even further, I mean, we have friends who are well-known actors now who, when we knew them, they were waiters and hostesses at restaurants and bars and bartenders. And so they're still that person to you. Right. It's the way the world is reacting to them that's different. So you're still hanging out with them. They're acting the same. But when you walk down the street, they're getting asked for pictures and... It's a funny what the world shift. what the world sees versus what one sees growing up here is, is just a totally different reality. But right. um, I mean, Brad Pitt was an extra for <laughs> ten years. It's so funny. And then he got a part in a movie in Thelma and Louise. He must have, you know, I mean, just like any other actor, he probably called his parents screaming and right. so excited and rehearsed for weeks. He and, was um, Tracy Gold's love interest on Growing Pains, right? So that's he was probably very excited about right that. and worked out and got a haircut <laughs> for the big day. You know right. now oh, he's so cool. He's Brad Pitt, right? But you know everyone starts somewhere. It's fun. That's why I like to do this because it's fun to talk about. I started as a janitor when I was really four. at that age. Really? Wow. <laughs> no, I was always acting. Um, in 1992, continuing the timeline, you did a movie called Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. I did. That was 92. Yeah. Are you sure? That's wasn't it 90. No. It came out in 92. Okay. So you shot ah. it in 92. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize the post-production ah, was a two-year process on that film. Um, TV's different. It comes out that year. Movies, right. you could do in 86. Well, there's definitely more instant gratification on television. Probably six weeks. Right. Turn, six no. Weeks I, I was, that came out in probably, I'm sorry, we filmed that in probably 90 or 80. 90. Fun, fun stories from Great that. memories. Really? Oh, gosh. It was the best. We filmed it in Mammoth. And uh, I was there for, I, I think, a summer 
or maybe it was a winter. There's some great stories. <laughs> One for of that. the two. But I remember I, you know, my family couldn't go with me because my parents were working and they were with, you know, my brother and sister. So we had a family friend take care of me, and I had this condo to myself in Mammoth, and I was in heaven. I would, they would, I would go shoot. How old were you? Ten years old. Yeah, I would go shoot wow. pool every day at this pool hall. It's really cool. It's, it's and uh, it's like a kid living in a grown-up world. It's kind of a fun. It was great, atmosphere. and I would shoot on set every day, but we were filming on this lake, um, and, uh, you know, this family drama that took place at this lake, it was fun. You know, movies with huge casts, like ensemble casts, are a lot of fun, because... You share the... Well, you're... Well, that's the, the downside, but the the fun side is you're just so many friends you're making, and there's... It's literally... It's like camp. Yeah. You know, and you're being paid for it. Right. And it's good food. So it's not such a bad gig. It's very hard when you're doing a movie where it's all you. Right. Because then everything rises and falls on you if you're, you know, groggy for one day or right. tired, you know, and you're working, you know, starting at 5 a.m. and shooting till midnight. It's, you, well, most, some Depending days. Depending on the day. You know, it's hard. How long was that shoot? Do you remember? That Big movie? Girls Don't Cry. I mean, this is 22 <laughs> years ago. Uh, I, you know. A couple say months. A couple months. Um, another thing you did in 93 was a miniseries called Wild Palms. Right. Which is actually, I feel like that's like a cult hit. That's like a movie, a TV I think movie. it was 91. Well, it says 93. These are when these things come out, I guess. <laughs> well. I don't know. It's IMDb. Were you the same person at 13 that you were at 11? No, I wasn't. I was actually a man by 13 because I had wow. been, been bar mitzvahed. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, you like that? Um, so the cast in that was no joke. If I may name no, drop was, some people. Do. Jim Belushi, Dana Delaney, Robert Loja, Kim Cattrall, Angie Dickinson, and Ben Savage. Yeah. That was an Oliver Stone produced miniseries. Oh, really? Yeah. Big deal. That's a big deal. Um did you play somebody's son on that? <laughs> I played Robert De Niro and Dana Delaney's psychotic. Robert De Niro. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi's. I was going to say he was uncredited in that. Um, Bruce Wagner wrote that. Oh, yeah. Do you know who Bruce yeah, Wagner is? I do. Um, he's gone on to do a lot. But I feel like that was like a cult. Like it in was the a 90s, huge cult they were thing. Like, it was a big miniseries that everyone yeah. was obsessed with. But I played this psychotic son who was just this crazy kid. I remember I had to slap Angie Dickinson. Wow. Yeah. How many people can say that? Uh, and it was scary. <laughs> and Keith Gordon directed it. Do you know Keith Gordon? He's a big team. I know that name, right yeah. How many takes was it to slap Angie Dickinson? Oh, several. <laughs> but I was good. I played this mean, angry kid. It was good. Wow. Again, a lot of great food on the set. It's funny what you remember. You know, well, you know when you're a kid. It's like, no, but it, just in general, it's like wild pumps. Oh, the food was great. Like, I always find, because I've worked on a, a couple movies, and I always, when you watch it back, it's almost like a video yearbook. Like, you can watch it for entertainment value, like that scene from that day, but you also are thinking, like, who visited the set that day, or who'd you have lunch with that day? Right. It's kind of a funny, you watch it with, like, two sides of your brain. One brain's watching it as a movie, the other brain's watching it right. as, like, a memory. Right. You know? And then, okay. Well, when you're an actor, you know all the, the inside story. You know, everyone else is watching. Oh, that's funny. You're like, oh, gosh, I remember that day, like, I had right. a headache. And right. It's fun. I just, you know, this, got in a fight, or who, right. who knows? Slapped Andrew Dickinson, you know, whatever happened. Um, so now, the moment everyone's been waiting for. 1993 continues, and you get a role as Corey Matthews on the TV show Boy Meets World. Yes. Now, am I right in saying that that's a role that you're very well known for? I would say that. Yeah. Um, that was on from 1993 to 2000. Correct. That's a good run. Very good run. For a TV Especially show. Especially nowadays. Yeah. People are lucky if they get renewed for season two. 
Do you guys... They're lucky if they can get past the pilot. Right. I mean, the standards are a lot higher now. There's a much more competition. Well, there's so many channels now, but that means that it's a less lot harder. people, it's more fragmented. So you were on ABC, 93 to 2000, getting probably 20, 30 million viewers because there were less channels. And I wouldn't say 20 million viewers, but we were getting 20 shares, which right. means that a fifth of the televisions on at that time were watching Boy Meets World. Right. That's pretty. pretty that's a big deal. It's a pretty big deal. Um, on Twitter all the time, you get messages from fans multiple times a day asking when there's going to be a reunion. Right. And I think in person when I'm with you, you get a lot of where's Topanga. Right. Now, is that like a double-edged sword? It's nice to be recognized for your work, but at the same time, it's like how many times can you hear never. where's Topanga? No. I don't, I you never, don't mind it? No. It's that, it's, if people recognize you from something, and it's not just Boy Meets World, if they recognize you from anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's flattering. It's a compliment. I, you know, I, I never liked. I don't like the mentality. Ugh, I'm tired of it. No, that's nice. But I mean, you have to act like you've never heard the joke before. Where's Topanga? Every time you hear it, they it's think... not as bad now. And y- you know what? It's not as intense when you're in LA because okay. I think people are so you know used to that culture. But it depends. I mean, it depends where we are. I've been with you places. Sure. Where there's maybe a little more general public, and they freak out, and girls will say like, "I'm obsessed with you," or "You were my childhood." Right. And it's, they really get very excited. It's flattering. But I think when you're a television star, you've like you were in their living room, so they're, they they feel f- very close to you. Right, and they're willing to come up to you. I feel like a Brad Pitt. Yeah, they won't real. go over and talk to him because he's a movie right. screen. It's different. But there's something about a TV star that you grew up with that you'll just run over and express right. your no, love. No, people feel very, a strong affinity for my character, and I think they feel very comfortable with me. So I get lots of hugs and right. phone numbers, and right. which is not bad. Right. But um, you, do, you don't give out your phone number, I hope, too much. You can, if, if you do a phone number, you take theirs. No, I just mean – no, no, I'm saying <laughs> – Oh, they come up to you and they say, please take my number. No, I'm not saying I act on it. I'm just saying, right. you know, uh, you'll be, like I'll be out and it's just you get, you know, little notes from people right. or a phone number or wedding proposal or who knows. Right. You know, I mean, it's I'm just say, I'm saying the whole thing is it's flattering. Yeah. And so that's good. I like to hear that because a lot of times people act like, oh, I don't want to hear it again. Like, I don't want to talk. No, about it I think the second you adapt that mentality, you just kind of embrace this bitter persona that I right. just don't ever want to be. Well, the other thing with Boy Meets Publicly. World too, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Boy Meets World too, it's on seven a.m. and seven thirty a.m. on ABC Family yeah. every single day, every day, and it's on MTV Two, I believe, yeah. every single day. It's amazing. So not only are the fans who grew up with it rewatching it. But new fans are finding it. Yeah. And at 7 a.m. is when kids are getting ready for school. So it's like... Or some kids are going to bed. Well, depends where they grew up. But, you know, they're from 7 to 8, they're getting ready for school. They're watching Boy Meets World, and then they go off for right. the day. It's almost like a new show to them. Right. So it's not... I mean, it's nice that, you know, listen, it was it was a great show. It was, yeah. it, it was wholesome. It was funny. It was interesting. It was topical. Yeah. And I think it's relatable to a lot of people. It was about love, relationships, family, you know, roommates, college. I mean, it touches on a lot of themes that, you know, particularly young people go through. Well, I feel like on Twitter, a lot of the fans say that episodes make them cry, which is, you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was was touching. It was a very good show. Everyone on it was very talented and very, very, you know, involved with the show. I mean, people were really you know, passionately con- committed to this show. All the actors, all the writers. I mean, you know, this is just a little insider. But, you know, there would be intense discussions over scenes. You know, um, I don't think my character would do this. And, right. and not because of actors' egos. No, but the because integrity of the, the character. character. The, the actors, you know, 
without naming anyone specifically, there are a lot of actors on the show that were passionately committed to their characters. I think especially because we grew up with these characters. Right. So, you know, we had personal stakes in these characters because they were a huge reflection on us. So what what was the age that the We started at, went? like, 12 or 13 and Til... went through 22 or, you know, wow. 20. So, you know, there were times where we listen, I would not say this. I right. definitely would not say this. They're like, well, just let's just do it. No, this is not something my character – you know, and it, right. it wasn't, like – to throw a tantrum is because we were so passionately like committed to like the integrity of our characters and right. just like how our characters, you know, looked. And did you, you know, watch? Did you watch the show back then or no? no. Like Friday. I nights? never watch my show. Really? I never watch anything I'm in. So interesting. I I just want once it's done, it's done. I but that's why I want to do as many takes as possible. You know, I would like to film. Get it perfect. And, but then you don't even know what take they ended up using. Right, because I just know I've put everything on it. It's like taking a test. You know, when you take a test or a final exam, you know. Rarely do you like when you get the an- when you get it back. Do you like read through all of your answers? You just kind of like submit the test. Right. What did I get? An A. Okay, great. Right. You know, I, I don't go back. Oh, I. You know, I mean, maybe you do a little nitpicking in your head after you submit the test. Right. But rarely do you like look through it. You know, um, or like a paper that you submitted in college. Like right. You don't go back and reread your paper. But you get it perfect, hand it in. Right. You, you edit it as much as it. possible. Right. You, s- you submit it, and if you get a B, you get a B. If you, oh, I got an A. Okay, n- what's next? I right. don't want to go back and relive it all. Now, do you um, keep in touch with any of the cast members? I do. I mean, you know, I mean, everyone's got, you know, very, very busy. It's L.A. Right. and everyone's got their own careers and their own lives. Right. But, you know, we talk and, you know, have lunch occasionally and, you know. It's kind of like a family, a second family. It is. You know, what I'll say is interesting is we could go a year or two without talking or see each other every day. But the second, like, I'm back around Will Friedell or Ryder Strong or Daniel Fisher, like, we all fall into, like, our similar routines and patterns. Right. So it's Pick just, up like... where you left off. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, right. that's the funny thing is, like... And you're all so associated with each other. You know, people think... Right. But they think of you, they think of them. Right. So... But, I mean, I honestly... It's corny as a sign. It's, like, I think that's a sign of, like, a real relationship or a friendship with someone is, like... But it's also a testament to the show that people sure. believed that you were best friends, believed you were a couple. But like, but on a on a, a a different level, like on a more personal level, like when you you know, I have certain friends that I don't see for a couple years or two. But I sit down and have lunch with them. It's like I'm not searching for anything to say. It's like it just everything flows so naturally because right. you're so comfortable with that person. Right. And that's how I feel about them. And you know, I you know, that's how I feel about you know very few people. But I think that means you're. You know, you're just connected to that person. Do you have any specific memories that stand out when you think of Boy Meets World, those seven, eight years? Like, what stands out? Is there a story, an anecdote, a moment? I mean, so many. Tell me. I don't know. <laughs> That's very hard There's question. too many. Um, I would just say fun. It was just fun. Right. I mean, it was a lot of work. I mean, it was hard. but And there was a lot of... Uh, and actually, back then, I think there were more episodes of shows. Weren't there 24 at least? No, we would season? do 22. 22. The okay. big shows got 26. Wow. Um, Home Improvement got 26. <laughs> but uh, could have used that money. I think uh, <laughs> I think kidding. ABC is, is trying to revamp and bring back the TJF Friday. They thing. should. So they're testing out this fall with um, Tim Allen and Reba McIntyre at 8 and 8.30. If it's a hit, it'll be, you know, 8 to 10. And they'll bring it back. We'll see what happens. But... Um, um, but that's exciting. No, it's you look very exciting. I, I think people hold that show and that time slot and that era as a very special place in their heart. Mm-hmm. And I think 
and this isn't bashing like modern day television, but I think like the, because the cables, you know, yeah. all the, have made things so quote unquote sexy and well, like yeah, of course. I mean, listen, when you can get when HBO can get away with Sex in the City and The Sopranos, which I think started that trend, and well, then the other networks followed. by today's standards those seem tame. Right. I mean, watch True Blood. I mean, right. which I'm a big fan of. But, but FX and TNT, they're they're pushing the envelope yeah, I mean, so much. They that, say foul language on the right. air, and I, 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 you know, I think it garners more viewers mm-hmm. or it garners a lot of like attention and publicity and press, but. You know, I still think people crave, you know, something wholesome. And not that Boy Meets World was, you know, G, but... I, but it was a family show. Well, I don't even know family. I think it was, you know, it spoke to the issues that a lot of younger people go through. And I don't see that on Mad Men. I don't see that on True Blood. I mean, they're great shows. Don't get me wrong. They're fascinating. Newsroom. All these shows are wonderful. Right. But I don't see a lot of shows, really, that speak to... Adolescence and what right. you know, eighteen to twenty-five year olds go through. Well, everything's cyclical, so hopefully it will. Come, I hope so come too. Back again. And I'll, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll say because TV's so fragmented, you know, the networks have chopped up, you know, you know the pie. So there's you know Disney and Nick for you know younger kids, right? CW and there's you know HBO and stuff for older. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's a, there's a, a market for so. When you do come back to television, is multicam sitcom sort of your wheelhouse? That's my, I mean, that's definitely like... Because you do notice a lot now with, you know, Modern Family and Happy Endings. They're sitcoms, but they're single cam. They make me dizzy. Well, there's no more live <laughs> studio audience. You know, two and a half well, men, there are very few. And but they're, I, I would, the, they're the most highly watched shows on yeah, TV. Yeah, I would like it to come back. I, I don't mind the laugh track. I don't mind the... Well, let's say this. First of all, when you say you don't mind the laugh track, respectfully... Yeah. You're you're saying it has a negative stereotype. No, 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 no. I'm saying no. I'm just saying it's missing from those other shows. Right, but it's it was at certain with certain shows, and I'll be the first to admit it. Not Boy Meets World, but other shows. It was overused at times, or it was used like you know in the in the 80s. It's right, you know. Ha, ha, ha. Oh yeah, of course. Right. I went to the store. Right, right, right. <laughs> but if used sparingly, I think it can. It's it actually is kind of comforting. Yeah. Well, I like you know Friends did it perfectly. Seinfeld did know, it perfectly. I know. No one ever said, "Oh, the laugh track's annoying." Right. I'm just saying that it's missing from the current shows, like A Modern Family. I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tears. Little, little breakdown in the studio, folks. Right, the Barbara Walters moment. So continuing the timeline, after Boy Meets World, you took four years off and went to college at Stanford. I did. What was that like, to go from a star of a TV sitcom to a college kid? It was fun. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Um it was a little bit of a culture shock for me, of actually, course. because had you been like set schooled, like yeah. on set? So did you go to actual high school at all, or it was more? No, in, I went in to a trailer. I went to a regular high school in LA, but I was kind of always going back and forth. Right. So it involved a lot of coordination with teachers and the school and the administration. So you get to college, and it's just it was a little culture shock because I had grown up in LA and I hadn't been around anything but LA families and people my whole life right and the entertainment industry so I was used to no one caring about or just no one making let me try this again I was just used to LA okay and in LA especially where I went to high school and the way I was working you know there was a lot of industry people at the high school I went to so me working all the time wasn't a huge deal got it so when I got to Stanford not that I'm a huge deal but it was just people were making a bigger deal out of me than I was used to. Got it. And some people reacted strangely. You know, guys wanted to fight me or people were picking fights with me or, 
And I was just, you know, for doing, you know, I would just be sleeping or like people, you know, this isn't bragging or humble bragging, but I was, I'd be sleeping and like girls would knock on my door at like two o'clock in the morning. Right. Like, I just want to say hi. Like, got it. It was a little, a little odd. Yeah. It's almost like you're just suddenly being dropped in the middle of. Right. And at Stanford, the irony is I was so impressed by the kids at Stanford because everyone at Stanford was so special. You know, I'm, I mean, in my hallway alone in my dorm, it was like. You know, there's me, and to the kid to the right of me is uh, a national wrestling champion, and then across the hall was the Texas state champion fencer, and down the hall was a ice skating. Um, you know, so you're fascinated champion. by all these people. Well, it's just like everyone you go up to, it's like, oh, well, what do you do? Right. And it's like everyone. It's no one's just like, oh, I'm going to go here. Was Chelsea Clinton there when you she were was there? there? Yeah, that's she awesome. was a senior when I was a freshman. Right. But so Secret Service was on campus. Secret Service was on campus. I mean, but they did a very good job. I mean, it was just two plain clothes, you know. And they hired or hired. They had two like younger looking Secret Service guards. There were a couple movies like that where the first daughter right has the cool young Secret right Service. and Sinbad. No, I think it was one was a Katie Holmes movie and one was a Mandy Moore movie. Yeah, but you're forgetting the one with Sinbad. <laughs> Which one was that? What was that called? Where he played the Secret Service oh, right, agent? Right, right. To uh, Brock Pierce. Okay. You don't remember that movie? I must. First kid. Oh, right. First kid. Got it. I was thinking first daughter. But um, So anyway, did Chelsea Clinton help sort of take the attention off of you? Or Well, was... I I don't – it was just a different category. But right. um, What did you major in, by the way? Political science. What was that like? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, to go from entertainment and working in TV. I should have majored in theater, but I thought when I got to Stanford, I was like, oh, I want to like – kind of take a breather from all that right and i was really interested in government and politics and the way things worked and i just thought it'd be interesting and i like i, I like the classes so I, I did take it and listen i i mean it was incredible at stanford you're taught by some of the most like renowned authors and writers and professors and politic former politicians right in the world. so you had a chance to learn something new whereas if you did theater you kind of had already been trained well in i remember when i first got to stanford i was approached by the theater kids but they were very like theater Mm-hmm. But they were like eighteen-year-old kids with British accents, and you were a but, you were a sitcom guy. But they weren't British. <laughs> okay, that was the irony. Got it. They Do you like a... to join our theater group? Right. And I was like, "You're from Encino." I was like, uh, "I do sitcoms." Right. That's I wasn't really willing to do Macbeth. Got it. So, but then you went on to intern at in Washington D.C. Right. I yes. Fast forwarding to my junior year. Oh, sorry. Part of the poli sci program, they encouraged you to go to Washington D.C. and intern for a senator. And for me, I was like, oh, well, that you know, it could be fun for a summer. And so I applied and interned for a senator in Washington. So what was it like coming back to LA after college? Huge. It was another st- culture shock. Strange, because then it was like. It was a weird time for me because I I remember getting back from L.A. and, like, I'd never lived alone. So I had gotten my first apartment. I had just gotten out of school. It was, a, it was a lot to take in. So even though I had grown up here, it was like I was approaching L.A. from a much different perspective. And you did some more movies during that time? Yes. And a lot of television. Yes. Chuck. Yes. Now we're really speeding up the years. We must Bones. be running out of time. No. I'm just – you can talk about whatever you want to talk about from those years. There's so much. Um, no, it's. I mean, it's been fascinating. I'll, I'll just let's wrap it up. Are we wrapping it up? I mean, uh, there is one project I'd like to talk about that we worked on together. 
in 2009. How funny. <laughs> How convenient for you. Well, perfect. I you mean, just jumped something. from 2000 to 2009. <laughs> well, I mean, are there things that stand out? I mean, I have on here Car Babes and Palo Alto. I have a bunch of movies. I could go on forever. No, I know. I'm okay, trying go to keep on. it, keep it okay, moving go on. At, a, at a quick pace. And I, there's other things I'd like to talk about as well. Um, but in 2009, we did a little movie together called Closing Time. Yeah. That I directed and you starred in. Yeah. And a bunch of our friends were in it. Ryan Rotman. Uh-huh. Juliana Guell. Yeah. A bunch of up-and-coming actors. Actors who, since we did the film, have gotten their own shows. And it's fun. It's fun. You know, the it's, fun thing about Hollywood... And I know we've discussed this before, but it's it's always rings true, is that everyone you come into contact with in this business, even if you're not behind the camera with them, like, I'm sorry, in front of the camera with them, yeah. they could be a writer, an actor, a director, a producer, you know, you never know who's going to be what in in six weeks. Because this business can change so rapidly and so quickly that I've always tried to be nice to everybody. But also it's fun to be around creative minds. Oh, sure. Like, I thrive on that. Well, for me, I do too, but like... I guess I would just say, you know, if I've learned anything, it's that you never know anything that's going to happen. Right. So it's like, oh, this guy. Oh, well, this guy's now Brad Pitt. Or right. it's like, exactly. oh, this guy was like the catering. Oh, well, this guy's this. Well, that's the thing. On closing time, I know I, I sort of reached out to a bunch of my friends, actors and costume people and camera people and, cinema, you know, that, that, and sort of whatever everyone was good at. I just brought them all together to be good at what they're good at. Well, that's and a sign it, of a good director. But it, thank, well, thank you. You pick out their talents, right? For but example, it's also when they all come together, it just magic happens. Kind of, you, everyone has a strength, and when it well, all comes a, together, right. the product. That, I mean, that's the goal of producers and the writers and directors is yeah. to kind of. And actually, you and Ryan Rotman, I think, met at officially met at the table read. We did, and then by the time we shot it, it was like you were really best friends. Like you never know what's going to happen. Like. I was doing that in 2009, and now here I am. Look how far I've come. I'm doing a podcast with me on Sunset Boulevard, right, in the middle of these famous Sunset Strip, Los Angeles. When you were doing Boy Meets World, you probably didn't know you'd ever get a chance to be on on the list with Brekkerski. I, if had I known then, boy, would I have been excited. Right. But now it's what an experience, especially since it didn't exist until today. If you had known, would have been too much. It would have been incredible. I, it would have been too much. Right. But I'd love to go get some sushi. <laughs> Can I talk about one more thing? <laughs> Bottle drop. Um, you did a movie called Lake Effects this year. I did. And, you know, you would text me a lot from, where was it, Virginia? Exactly, BBM. Okay, BBM. Well, we still have Blackberries. That's a big announcement. Oh, right. But we like it. It's by choice. Um, but where did you shoot that, Lake Effects? In uh, Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, Bob. Right. <laughs> and... You had some great stories. I don't know if there's anything you want to share, but I believe that the production had locals pick you guys up at the airport, right? Yes. So that's kind of fun. Like, you arrive in Virginia, and some volunteer is Oh, yeah. Banned. They were very excited to pick us up. <laughs> right. So that was fun because when you would get off there. Well, first of all, it was a tough flight because to get to Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, you have to stop in a, a, a layover city, Charlotte, North Carolina, or Atlanta, or Washington, D.C. Right. And then you fly into some tiny airport in Lynchburg, Virginia. Right. Have you ever been to Lynchburg? I have not, but it does not sound welcoming. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm, I, and this is a whole, whole honest truth. I, I, the people in in southwestern Virginia Got were it. some of the nicest people I've ever met. They were just couldn't have been friendlier. Everywhere you went. So, yeah, locals would pick you up at the airport, but that's just kind of the culture out there. Right. Everyone stays with everyone. Everyone drives everyone. Everyone lets everyone use their house. 
I mean, and I come from L.A. with its alarms and security systems and right. don't touch my stuff and get away from me, I'll sue you. There, it's just I, everyone does everything. I'd wake up in the morning, you know, and it was kind of a, a, a very, like, community-based uh, film set. So all the members of the community were donating their time, and, you know, some of the local restaurants were cooking for the cast for our cast dinners or lunches. That's nice. And I, everyone was just helping everyone out. I'd wake up in the morning, and some older lady – I'd never met before. Birdie was, you know, driving me to set, and she'd she'd have made um, without me asking. You know, I'd get in the car, and we'd be driving to set. And out there, you know, set would be, you know, forty minutes, right? Because everything's very spread out there. I'd get in the car, you know, six seven o'clock in the morning. There'd be, you know, f- fresh bacon, sausages waiting for me. <laughs> oh, where'd you get these McDonald's? Oh, I made them. You made me breakfast. Wow. Oh, sure. It reminds, me of, it reminds me of that movie, Win a Date with Ted Hamilton, where Josh Jumel sort of is dropped into this small town. Right. And Kate Bosworth and Topher Grace. It's right. Sort of and it was, but the excitement was, about it. But it wasn't just excitement. It's just, they were just, uh, that's the culture. They just couldn't have been friendlier. And, and when I have, have days off, you know, I've been on movie sets and others, you know, when you have a day off, no one gives a, cares yeah. what you're doing. Right. You're on your own, buddy. But here, I, ha- I would have days off, and oh, I'd get invitations from the locals, and oh, do you want to come boating with us, or do you want to come out in the lake, or do you want to come here, or oh, we're going to go fishing, want to come fishing? I mean, and I, sure, I'll right. go fishing. And I had, um, I remember one day, you know, moonshine is uh, very big out there. Okay. That's so I was that. invited to a moonshine event. <laughs> yes. And I, and they, they, someone, and literally, this is how it happened. Someone said, oh, Ben, come with me, in the middle of set one day. Okay, where are we going? Oh, I just have to take you somewhere. And then I walk into some neighbor's house from where, like down the street from where we're shooting, and they just open up in this living room, and there's just, you know, six or seven townspeople there and ten bottles of moonshine. And they're like, "We hear you like moonshine." Wow. I was like, how'd "Yeah." How they know? Because I had spread the word. Okay. I have, you know, I like moonshine. Do you? No, I mean, oh, okay. I do now, but right. I'd never tried it. I want to try moonshine. Oh, 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 got it. Moonshine country. They wow. call it moonshine country. And they had a T-shirt waiting for me, you know, moonshining. And they, they, they Did you let, bring bring any home with you? Oh no, it's illegal. Oh, you have to leave it in Smith Mountain Lake. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's not a legal substance. Wow. I mean, it's alcohol, but it's not. You know, because it's brewed. You know, that's it's brewed underground. Well, that sounds fun. I mean, because it's not you know taxed by the government. Got so it. It's not. I know. hope you didn't just get anyone in trouble. In it's Virginia. made in bathtubs, basically. Wow. Anyway, who else was in that movie, Lake Effects? Wait, I was going to tell you one more story. Oh, okay, go for it, please. <laughs> That's how the NASCAR um, entire industry got started, is because the moonshining drivers used to get the moonshine and try and out, outrun the cops in the forests and, in the, in like, in the hills. Really? And so they'd have to learn how to drive real fast and turn curves. And it was all in southwestern Virginia. And they'd have to outrun the cops. And so that's how NASCAR started because those <laughs> those guys started racing. I never knew that. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Anyway, um, Jane Seymour was in it. Scotty Thompson, Madeline Zima, uh, myself, um, uh, uh, Richard Mull from Did, Night, Court. Night Court. Did you have a Southern accent in this film? Uh, oh well, I we were encouraged to have a Southern accent. We were given lots of materials before before encouraged, I encouraged, but not required, or it was right. I mean, everyone had a little Southern accent. Um, Sean Patrick Flannery was also in it. But w- before I got out there, I was sent a lot of uh, um, emails, uh, a lot of emails with uh, recordings of the kind of Southern accent they were looking for. Right. But, you know, as an actor, I mean, people were, would see me aren't really going to buy that I have a Southern accent. <laughs> so I, I did a very subtle one, just like, 
just kind of like this, just very subtle. Got it. Do you hear it on sounds, dude? Yeah, I hear it. But I didn't want to do something like this because <laughs> I just didn't think anyone would fall for it <laughs> if I came on the screen and was talking like this. I don't know. It's pretty convincing. Is it? I mean, I don't know. If, if you saw me on a movie. Okay. I don't know if it fits Well, that. hey, y'all. Where y'all come from? I think it sounds like a different kind of movie. I don't know. <laughs> come on over here and have some grits. And moonshine. And moonshine. Um, so did everyone else have the accents? Like a thicker accent? Yeah, well, everyone they had, yeah. I mean, I can't really go there, but <laughs> everyone has. I mean, I, I can only speak for myself. Got it. Now. There is one thing. Hey, y'all. I'm going to finish the interview like this. You can do it, Southern. It's encouraged, not required. Okay. Um, Can you imagine if I walked around town? By the way, I loved filming that movie. It was such a fun experience. And where we shot in Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, is such a beautiful area. It's so pretty. I would wake up every day to these – I don't know if I ever sent you pictures. Yeah, I sent pictures. This beautiful lake and – Sunshine and these gorgeous fields. So it's a constant culture shock in your life. You come back, then you come back to LA. That's why I'm so unstable. It's because I don't have any stability. And you come back to LA and oh yeah, I come back to LA. I th- I'm sure that I know some guy flips me off the second I get out of the airport, <laughs> right. and I come home and all my neighbors are screaming at me because I, I don't. I left the alarm on and right. I, I, you know, welcome home. So there's but a the, part of you that wants to still be in. Well, I went back for the premiere earlier a few months ago. I'm sorry. How was that? Late last year. I could. I was. And I had forgotten. I was in heaven to be back. You know, another person picked me up at the airport. I had grits, and I just everyone was so nice. And these gorgeous fields. You wake up every morning. You go running along this lake, and it's heaven. And I get back to West Hollywood. It's like get out of my way. Wow. Everyone's so angry here. It's a very. LA is lovely. It is. It's. 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 It's the center of everything. But it's just people. People just. People are a little testy. Well, LA. one thing I noticed is when my actor friends go out of town to make movies. Depending on how long they're gone, they either appre- they sometimes you appreciate LA. You know, friends go to make a movie in Prague. By three, four months, by the time they get back, there is an appreciation for it. You know, you, you need to sort of go away from it. I mean, listen, I appreciate it. it. I'm not bashing it, but it's just it's so different. <laughs> it's just so, but different, but so typical. Like you just go on this beautiful vacation, or you'll be in Virginia. You just everyone's so nice and happy and warm and friendly, and then you come here, and it's just like, get out of my but way. But the funny part is, the grass is always greener because all those people in Virginia are dreaming what's it like to oh, live in Hollywood. Well, listen, I it's fun. I mean, it's right. the best place in the world. But it's it's just it's just it'd be nice if you could take some of the the uh, the personality and charm. <laughs> Of the people in Southwest Virginia and transplant them here. Here, got it. Now, one thing I want to do on the show. Although they probably wouldn't be that friendly here, so who knows? Well, at first they would, and then. All right. Hey, y'all, can we get into that club on Sunset? (laughs) Right. And then. Get out of my way. Right. (laughs) Um, One thing I want to do on the show, because it's every Monday, is review the top five movies that are out and kind of get my guest input if they've seen any of them. Okay. So I'd like to do that with you right now before we close out the show. How does that sound? Sounds sexy. Okay. Um, tell me if you've seen anything, okay? The fifth sh- most popular movie in the country right now is Total Recall. Have you seen the new Total Recall? I have not. But uh, let me just say as a caveat, I don't see many movies when they're out in the theater. Okay. But. Did you see the original Total Recall? I love, I was just going to say the original was the best. And I do remember seeing that in the theater. When you're a kid, you know, your parents drag you. The- no, I got, listen, I go to double features. I know, I've noticed. <laughs> Sometimes triple features. I have to see everything when it's out. Uh, you know what I don't like about going to the movies? You know, you're all excited to see a movie. You go to the theater, which in L.A. is not easy. You got to find parking, which, again, is a nightmare. 
Yeah. You got to go buy your ticket, go f- find the theater in these <laughs> megaplexes okay. with 37 screens. You go in the theater, and like then you're next to some guy who doesn't stop coughing or talking <laughs> on his cell phone or eating hard candies the whole time. So you'd rather be home. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, gosh. Um, but that's maybe that's see, just I me. like I like the experience, and I and I once I'm in the theater, I'll do the double feature or the triple feature. But what about if you're excited about a movie and the guy next to you is making noise? How do you handle that? Uh, uh, you know what? Actually, I'll tell you this: you have a nice temperament. I, I do. And, so what do you do? I'll tell you. This happened yesterday. I saw a double feature yesterday. The double feature I saw yesterday was Hope Springs with Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones, and the campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. So then, um, woman behind me was opening a candy for. I'm not exaggerating, 10 minutes. Yeah. Like a hard candy or a wrapper. And I knew because it's an older, skewing movie that it was probably older people behind me. So I didn't turn around and look. I just assumed and I didn't want to like make them feel bad that maybe Why? they didn't Do you realize. think they would hesitate for a minute to make you feel no, bad? No, but I, right, exactly. I don't look at it that way, but I was thinking, you know, they don't maybe, maybe they don't realize how loud they're being. So I let it go, but it was so distracting. And I always it's think, hard. how did I end up in the seat in front of this? So I'm not. But no, you're you, not the only one. But I'll, but I do it because I like the experience. I like buying the tickets. I like buying the popcorn. I like sitting in the theater. I just I like it. And also I try to see things opening weekend because I like to be part of the conversation. I like to if the movie comes up in conversation. Yes, I saw it. If I run into someone who worked on it, I, I kind of like letting it. other people be guinea pigs. If right. they tell me it's great, I'll go see. Well, it. Well, a lot of people say that they say I read about it on your Twitter. I don't need to see it now. So I'm like, great, saved you some time. Well, I, and I, I mean, bragging a little, but sometimes you get invited like. <laughs> You know, private screenings or at people's right. houses or you get an advanced copy or... So have you seen Hope Springs? I have seen Hope Springs. You did? Yes. So that's the number four movie. That big actually fan made... of Meryl Streep. Who isn't? Love. Everyone's a Death big Death Becomes Her was one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, I the special effects in that at the time were so mind-boggling, Incredible. right? And She-Devil... Was literally with Roseanne. So Barr. you like the you? Uh, it's interesting. You like the Meryl Streep '90s comedy Meryl Streep. Oh, she's so funny. Most people think of the '80s Oscar-winning Sophie's Choice Meryl Streep, but you think '90s oh, well, comedy uh, Meryl Kramer Streep. versus Kramer. Of course. Or, I mean, she, listen, she's uh, multi-dimensional. Well, there's sort of like a Meryl Streep era for everybody, I would say. But some uh, people listen, like the Mamma Mia, the Devil Wears Prada Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? She's a listen. Well, yeah, she's I, good. I, when you grow up with someone, you want to remember them how you like them. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I. Uh, I like Meryl Streep. I, I, I love I, Meryl I, Streep. I, <laughs> it's decided. And I like Tommy Lee Jones, too. I actually really enjoyed his performance in the film. Different, right? You've never seen him like that before. No, but he was fun, like a stuffy older husband. Yeah. I mean, the movie is for older audiences, for sure. But I thought it was smart. It was different. I had never seen it. Certainly never seen anything like it. I will not give away. But some of the stuff they do is edgy in a that movie. A little risque for Meryl. Like, and some, Tommy Lee. Well, there were some certain scenes in there that was... A little, a little aghast. Yeah. Well, the what I do want to say is that it actually opened on Wednesday. Most movies are Friday to Sunday. They opened it ahead of time to sort of like, you know, reach that audience in the summertime. And the movie made twenty million dollars, which landed in fourth place. That's a good sign for you know movies with an older audience. How much was the budget? I mean, fifty million. <laughs> right. No, but you know, actually, it's, no, the, it's a lower budget movie. No, That's, no, there was no special effects or anything. The, right. the town where they shot it. Um, actually looked very charming. Yeah. It was supposed to be Maine, but in the credits at the end, I saw they thanked New York. The what New York part of State. New York? I don't know. I got to find out. It looked it really... It was very charming. Very charming. <laughs> and a pr- surprise performance by Steve Carell. Very understated. Very. As the, as the <laughs> as local famous therapist. therapist. Right. That's yeah. the premise of the movie, is that you know they're having... Uh, Marital Intimacy problems. issues. And so older. they go to a sex therapist. Actually, 
they asked me to play the part of Tommy Lee Jones. Wow. But I thought, you know what? It's going to look a little weird. Right. A little me too and, young. you know, Meryl. You know, although you could have played their son, but he was only like in one quick scene or two quick scenes. You know? I did. <laughs> oh, that was you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Uh, number three movie in the country right now is The Dark Knight Rises, which brought in $19 million in its fourth weekend, which is now at a total of $390 million. And it's number 15 on the all-time amazing best blockbuster, best-selling movies. Um, it knocked the final Harry Potter out of the 15th spot. Wow. Have you seen it yet? No. No. But you saw, I'm sure, Dark Knight, the second yes. one. Yes. Well, you know, some... Tough memories associated with this current one. This one, right. You'll wait and watch that one at home. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did see it. I did see it. Um, I actually saw it prior to it being released, so I didn't have the same attachment to it. No, well, it was a screening. Um, In second place was the campaign, which I said I saw. Can I tell you who steals the campaign? Yes. Which made $27 million. Wait, let me guess. Dylan McDermott. He's always good. But you wouldn't have thought going into it that a Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis movie that Dylan McDermott would be... The, the scene stealer. Yes, you know? he's wonderful. He's great. His job, you know, the premise is that Will Ferrell is running for office. He's always run unopposed. And now Zach Galifianakis comes in because these rich guys want someone in power so they can manipulate him. And someone has to coach this guy into being a little more suave. And that's Dylan McDermott's role. Give him the haircut and the clothes. He's like his coach. And he's very funny. I, do you ever I, get Dylan McDermott and Benjamin Bratt confused? No, but I do, will admit, I get Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney confused. Oh, that's just names. But because of the names. But sometimes for a second I'll be like, which one was in you know, my best friend's wedding? Uh, Dermot Mulroney. I know. We, that I mean, scene with him and Julia Roberts on the boat in the banks of Chicago. Yeah. Right, right, right in the middle of uh, downtown Chicago when the moment just passes you by. Wow. And they're under the bridge. And she wants to kiss him and tell him she loves him, but she doesn't. And the moment passes her by. Wow. Just, what? Well, that is a scene. Our girl Julia nails that one. She does. So does Dermot. And he starts singing to her, The Way You Look Tonight. Yeah. Someday. Cameron Diaz is great in that movie, too. She is, because they let her be Cameron Diaz. Yes. When they let her be Cameron Diaz. Bubbly, happy. No one fails. Um, and the number one movie in the country... With $38 million is The Bourne Legacy. Yes. Which is the fourth movie in huge the Bourne Huge fan series. of Jeremy Renner. Huge fan of the franchise. I just haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either. I'm but gonna... I would go see it with you. Okay, let's go this week. Maybe after this show. That would be a, a great thing to do after the show. Maybe we can bring the sound engineer. Or the producer. Tony. Or... Hello. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Have you seen Bourne Legacy yet? No, but I want to. Okay, great. Well, so it's a general I think consensus. we've got a little group but outing. There was never just one. That's right. I'm a, I have to admit, I'm a big Matt Damon fan, so there's a part of me that misses him. In the Jeremy Renner, did you ever see Hurt Locker? No. We're going back. Oh, wow. Further. High school trip where they all go to Washington. No. And he's like part of a group I thought of I'd misfits. Seen every movie. What, what, tell me what you know by Jeremy Renner before Hurt Locker. I don't know. I'll let he you was in, it. it was called... Oh, gosh. He was in a funny movie about high school misfits that go to Washington, D.C. to, like, Valley Congress. And now he's in the Bourne movies. You never know where people are going to go. Right? And he wasn't around for a few years. Right. I mean, he was around, but... Anyway, this has been fun. This has been fun. Can I go now? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I mean, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, I'd like to go get some lunch. Okay. Let's do that. What what, what would you like for lunch? Sushi? Yeah. Great. Great. Let's do it. And then maybe a little uh, born identity, born, born supremacy, le- ultimate <laughs> no legacy, born legacy, the fourth one, born 
something. Born something. Great. Well, yeah, I think that was a lot of fun. Thank you for being my very first guest. Thank you for having me, Brett Gursky. I wish you all the best with your new endeavor. Thank you. Thank you for being on the list. And that's that, it? Yeah, that's a wrap for the first you episode. Maybe do like a bigger goodbye. To you or to the audience? To me. For my time. <laughs> for my No, maybe to the audience. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. On well, my... first, thank me. Thank you, Ben Savage, for being my first guest. Thank you for having me, Brett Gursky. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> and thank you to the audience for tuning in for my very first podcast of On the List with Brett Gursky on hahajk.com. Oh, wait, before we go, okay. there is a segment that I would like to introduce for On the List. Now, um, we don't know who the guest is yet next Monday, but what I'd like to do is do a mystery question to end every show. So because you are the first guest, I don't have one for you, but we can. you will be the first to write a mystery question. So basically, what it'll be is you'll write down a question. It can be literally anything in the world. We'll seal it in an envelope, and I will open it at the end of next week's show, and whoever my guest is, however it applies, I open the envelope, I ask them the question, and that's how we end the show with the mystery question from Ben Savage from last week. So I think that would be fun. So if you could just do that for me before we go. What's the question? Whatever you want, but don't tell me. I don't want to know it until I open the envelope next week. Who's the question for? Whoever the guest is. It's all a mystery. Wow. So on that note, note, I say goodbye to everybody. Thank you again to Ben. Thanks. Thank you for everyone listening. Thank you for having me. Again. Good luck to you. Thank you. We have all that. Well, I'm saying it again. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Again. Thank you. Again. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks Thanks for coming. Thank Thank you you. for listening to On the List with Brett Gursky on hahajk.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.